0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Well, I think um, we're still working on the balance of um, profiles of players for the system. Um, I think to see Bukayo again was a real plus. I think he's really had three excellent performances through this week. Um, Again, for somebody so young especially, um, good balance to have an attacking-minded player in that position is really helpful. Um, It was good to see Mason in that central area again, Um, and I thought he he made excellent forward runs, so our attacking play was very, very good. But right from the back, the players built with the the ball so well, and they moved it crisply, they took up good positions, Um, and Phil, Jack, Harry, their link play was excellent.
2: On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9.
3: England boss Gareth Southgate speaking after the 4-0 win over Iceland in the UEFA Nations League. Hello there. I'm Ross. This is On The Ball and the Premier League is back. Oh yeah. Uh, As usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we do have a YouTube channel up. Do check out all our handsome mugs at TFIF on video and I mean handsome
4: very broadly.
3: Uh, (laughs) No, they are stunning and I mean Des
4: Corkill. Hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Premier League this week.
3: Indeed. Craig Marais is also here. Hello, Craig. How you doing, mate? How
1: you doing, guys? Bob Holmes is here to share his expertise as well. Hello, Bob. Hi, and thanks for the introduction. Never been introduced like that before.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are leading up to Christmas, and I've been locked at home for too long. (laughs) 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 All right, first, England 4, Iceland 0. It was a dead rubber, but a couple of points I want to bring up in in this. Uh, England's 3-4-3 formation, as they tend to play with uh, these days, this time they went in without... Henderson, Liverpool's Henderson. So they only kind of played with one holding midfielder. And for me, it looked more fluent. It worked better. Sure, you're playing only Iceland, but four goals resulted from it. And it was good football, wasn't it, Des?
4: Uh, yeah, it was quite good. It, it was a dead rubber. At one stage, they were thinking of playing it in Albania. That's how dead a rubber it was. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of 3-4-3, and I'm a big fan of... Uh, two central midfielders, but you don't have to restrict what those central midfielders do. Uh, Jordan Henderson, for example, is a great example. He gets the chance sometimes to sit at Liverpool. Sometimes he gets uh, to play in what they call the number eight. So he's got more license to roam. So just because you've got two holding midfielders, that doesn't necessarily mean they both have to hold all the time. So um, I, I'm a big fan of 3-4-3. There's a big debate going on in the British press about it at the moment that uh, it restricts, um, uh, restricts the players and they don't get forward enough on the right and the left-hand side. But to me, I'm, I'm a big fan. Should have beaten Iceland 4-0. They should have beaten them 4-0 in the World Cup a couple of years ago. Oh, sorry, in the Euros a couple of <laughs> years ago. <Yeah>. But, uh, <laughs> but um, because Iceland are Iceland. Uh, England are expected to win these. But for me... The, the headline that's being ignored is the fact that England went out. England went out of the yep. competition, and yep. that's how you get yep. judged. Yep. Um, You've got to negotiate your way through these uh, competitions, and England didn't manage it. So I think that puts pressure, no matter how many pluses you can take from the prettiness of uh, Jack Grealish.
3: Yeah, but we are going to touch on the prettiness of Jack Grealish, and I'll add to that Phil Foden uh, as well, Bob Holmes. The, those must be big pluses coming out of the international break for England.
1: Yeah, uh, it was good to see them both playing. I mean, I think the prevailing view had been that uh, they wouldn't play in the same team under Gareth Southgate. But uh, he went against that uh, thinking and uh, was rewarded because they did seem to combine very well. And although it wasn't much of a test, and this was nowhere near the Iceland team that beat England famously in that uh, european championship a few years ago Uh, iceland have have regressed since then um so it was it was no sort of a test at all but southgate would have been very pleased that they got the game done because it put a little gloss on uh having lost having got knocked out as des says um and then you're trying a new combination and it worked and it and they're both very promising probably the two most promising English players currently. Um, the fact that they can play together uh, was a big bonus, even if it was against poor opposition. Mm. So I guess he was justified in in the selection and justified in having having the game. Um, so there, there were a few other pluses as well. Sacco, I thought, played well. Yep. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, he hasn't been a regular for Arsenal, which has made it uh, harder for him to get into the England side. But um, he's a very talented lad and very versatile, probably pays for his versatility in that he can play in a number of positions from left back to left wing um, uh, with equal aplomb. And because of that, he he tends to get overlooked and, and is the bits and pieces man. But he did very well as well, I thought. So, yeah. Although it was a disappointing campaign, uh, they did actually uh, come out of it, you know, with a little gloss at the end.
3: Yeah, just a little gloss, but true. Big picture, Craig. In the end, England finished five points behind Belgium. Um, it's, it's that step up. We know how good England are. We know how good the team can be with the players available. But how do they make that step up and, and face the real big boys?
0: Well, I mean, consistency plays a big part. I mean, we saw in the World Cup they can win one-off games, and, and they can, they have the mentality to do well in big competitions. Um, I, I think that's improved a lot over the years, and especially since Southgate's taken over. You know, he's changed the kind of mood, the feel. Um, he's taken a lot of pressure out, off the boys. Um, I feel he's brought a lot of young ones in who who you might say are a little bit raw. Um, don't get overawed by the you know. The occasion don't feel that pressure when they go out to play um, and, it, and
3: it's changed that mentality a bit of it of playing for England um, but, but, so he's thinking okay, that, let me, that, let me that just bit jump away. in here but, let me just jump in and say but do you yeah. all think do you, all, do you think that Southgate is really it's too pragmatic when it comes to the big boys um,
0: yeah uh, but you can understand I mean you know you go back to the Belgium match you know a, a week ago when you know you're playing the number one team in the world do you go out there and attack them? Um, and then, you know, run the risk of being exposed. I mean, you, you, you're talking about playing two defensive midfielders in that game. But, you know, someone's got to mark someone like Kevin De Bruyne. You've got to give him that respect. He, he's a fantastic player. And even when he is marked, he's, you know, he can still dictate the tempo of the game. Um, so, so it is a bit of a conundrum uh, that Southgate uh, faces. Uh, let's not forget, England did beat Belgium um, at, in England at Wembley. Yeah. Not too long ago. Um, you know you say what you want about that match but you know they, they came out as winners um, so it's easy to see say oh yeah you know you lost to Belgium but you know we, we beat them not, not too long ago um, I do feel that Southgate still has a lot to prove um, I do think that he, he'll always come under that pressure that kind of pressure because mm. he's not a big name mm. um, he doesn't have a great CV um, at club management level he didn't really do well um, and, and there's a feeling that okay, because he was, he was in the England setup, um, that you know he got that job on a default basis. Um, and there is some truth to that, but you can't ignore his, his record in the big competition, which was the World Cup a couple of years ago, and, and he got England to the semi finals. So, um, stick with it. Um, I, I love what he's doing, bringing the young, young boys in. You've got some absolute talented players there. Um, and you know, you know, you talk about your Grealishes, your Fodans, your, your Sakas. Everyone's forgetting Mason Mount. I thought he was absolutely yep. fantastic.
3: Yep. How, 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 was- is, how is Mason Mount teacher's pet with Frank and with... Uh, with-
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's a talented boy. I mean,
0: you, you know, you, you talks about Saka and his versatility. I mean, th- this Mason Mount, is a player that can play on the right, on the left, um, as a 10, as an 8, which he did uh, for England during this international break. He's shown his versatility and he's done it really well as well. I mean, the comparisons... Uh, Comparison saying that, you know, you can't play with Jack Grealish in the same team. I mean, absolute nonsense. When you're that, when you're that versatile and you're that good of a player, um, you know, you are fit in somehow. So, uh, I, I think Mason Mount deserves a lot of credit during this international
4: break. So if we're talking about all of this attacking talent that England have got and then uh, everyone's saying, uh, oh, sh- he should be cautious, he shouldn't be cautious. If he's got all this great attacking talent, go out and utilise it. One of England's uh, biggest wastes was John Barnes, who was the greatest player during his era. When he played for Liverpool, Liverpool fed him the ball and they supported him. They played to John Barnes. That when goal against England,
3: Brazil, that goal. And when against... he was
4: at England, he got maybe one-fifth of the ball he got at, uh, at, uh, as he did at club level because they didn't play to his strengths. And everyone says Barnes failed. He didn't. He wasn't given the ball. And if, if you don't give your attackers the ball, then, then you're, you're going to struggle.
2: Okay. Yeah. He
1: didn't I... even start against Argentina in that <clears throat> famous game right. when Maradona scored the, that great goal. Yeah. And he made a, made a massive difference when he came on. Had he been brought on earlier or started, England could have won that game.
4: Okay. Nick, okay. deciding not to head the ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gary,
3: if you're listening, what the? Uh, all right. We, we have to talk about Spain's six. Germany nil, because that was the result of I don't know how many international breaks. I am coming to you first, Des Corkill, because you actually called the demise of Germany um, uh, a few shows ago, um,
4: and but nobody saw 6-0. I mean, that was a whooping in a bit. Okay, I've, I've got to come clean on this one. So I, I, I when, when I, I get predictions really right, I make sure that people know I got predictions right. <laughs> I, did. I did predict Spain would not do well here. And I thought Germany wouldn't be great, but they'd go on and, and, uh, and, and be victorious because that's what happens to Germany. I got this one completely wrong. And I'm looking at the team lineup now just, just off the screen. I'm looking at the 11 who started, and there is not a chance in this world that Spain beat Germany 6-0. There just isn't. <laughs> you look at the individual players, you look at where they come from, you look at the, uh, the, the background, you look at the pedigree, and that should never be a 6-0. I do not believe it. Stop the count. Okay.
3: <laughs> Very topical. Uh, no, you got to keep counting because there's some hidden. Uh, but, but, Bob, um, it's 14 years at the helm too long for Jürgen Love. There, there, I mean, immediately, the press came out with uh, the German Football Federation is behind Jürgen 100%. But <laughs> is, is there a... Have you been there too long? Sell by date.
1: Uh, well, it's beginning to look like that, isn't it? Uh, we haven't got to the weekend yet, um, <laughs> so we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, quite the most shocking uh, result, I think, of uh, for many years. I mean, uh, can anyone think of a of a greater shock? I mean, okay, it was not in the uh, in the World Cup or, or in a final or anything, but still. Uh, unbelievable scoreline. And to think that most of the German team are from Bayern Munich. I mean, uh, the core of the side is uh, Bayern, from Bayern. And they happen to be the European champions and not not only merely European champions, but very dominant European champions. I mean, the outstanding club in Europe, I think you can safely say, without any serious competitor. Currently, and most of the star players are German. I mean, they do have obviously uh, other foreign players, uh, a sprinkling of foreign players in the Bayern side, but the, the bulk of the side was the same bulk of the German side. And I think that that is what's going to count against Yogi Lowe when they look at it, when they really analyze what happened. Because you're talking about the same players fundamentally, and they're brilliant and dominant with Bayern, all conquering. And with Germany, they get spanked 6-0 by a young Spanish team, yeah. which is not nowhere near what they were when they when they were world champions when, when they could spain champions
2: NBA,
1: yeah. yeah although although i think we have to say that ferran torres looks a very good buy for 20 million doesn't he very cheap outstanding yeah
3: um all right uh, let's wrap up the nations league then so qualified for next summer's finals you've got italy from group a1 belgium from england's group group a2 france Who've been very impressive in Group A three and Spain in Group A four, uh, Wales, Craig, get promoted to League A. They, they, out of all the other home nations, have done the best, the most consistent, and worthy of promotion. Can they cut it? Well,
0: worthy of promotion, <laughs> you can't. You can't argue it, can you? Um, no. You know, they, they went through the, the process. They they won. They got enough points, and and they get promoted. Um, it's going to be tough for them, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest, you know, they're not exactly, um, you wouldn't put them in the top European teams out there. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to struggle for sure. Um, uh, but then saying that again, you know, this is a young Wales side. Um, and, and I keep going go back to, you know, playing without fear. I mean, there's no expectation whatsoever for Wales um, when they go out to play, you know, and, and they know that, you know, I mean, Rugby is still, whatever you want to say, is the number one sport in Wales. And, um, you know, when, they, when the footballers go out, I think um, there's not that pressure of the country on you. Um, yes, they'd like to do well. Um, yes, uh, they, they'd like to play in major tournaments. But th- there isn't the same expectation that you get from, from maybe some of the other, like the Irish, for example, who are really struggling. Um, I, I think there's more expectation on the Irish uh, to do well. Um, uh, in these kind of uh, situations rather than Wales. Um, they're going to struggle, let's be honest with it. I mean, they, they, they're a side which have a few world-class players, but, you know, they, they're always banking on them to be fit. Your Gareth Bales, your Aaron Ramseys. And, and now, you know, they're reaching their 30s. Um, it, it's not always going to be the case. And you look at the new wave that's coming through, a couple of talented players, Ampadu's in there. Uh, Dan James scored a screamer, yep. um, you know, in, in the last match. A couple of talented players, David, David Brooks as well, forgot to mention. Yeah, I think he's a real, real talent. Um, but are they going to trouble a lot of the sides? I just can't see it. I really can't. Huh? Well, there'll be.
4: Yes, there's. I have a claim to fame, please. So, Chris <laughs> Gunter made his 100th appearance for Wales. My claim to fame is when Chris Gunter was a kid at Cardiff City, he used to rent my apartment.
3: Ah. Ah. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, also promoted from League B. Did he pay on time?
4: (laughs) He paid on time. He paid on time. But nobody would have predicted Chris Gunter to play 100 times Wales. Nobody's ever done that. So uh, that is somebody making the absolute most of of, of, um, what talent he's got.
3: Bob, if he never paid on time, he'd never get a shout on radio. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Absolutely.
4: (laughs) <laughs> also promoted from
3: League B to League A we've got Austria, <laughs> uh, Czech Republic, Hungary, uh, along with Wales. All right, that's your UEFA Nations League. I know loads we haven't talked about, like Scotland. Uh, they haven't scored a goal since qualifying in the playoffs. Uh, we'll leave that for another day. We're going for our first break. When we come back, then we'll start previewing Match Week 9 of the EPL.
1: Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That's is- a brilliantly elastic
2: save. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. Huh? Oh, it's a, it's a, that is a this is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back
3: with Des Corkill, Craig Marias, and Bob Holmes. Looking forward to match week nine of the EPL. Uh, let's start with the early kickoff. Newcastle in 13th. Take on Chelsea in fifth. This one's your 8:30 PM um, tie. It's first match after the international break. It's always very difficult. You've got all these world-class players coming back from all over the shop. Um, but you look at the quality Chelsea have, Des Corkill, and it's it's hard to see past that. I mean, I know Lampard's still trying to feel out his his first eleven, but what what a squad, yeah.
4: You know what? I don't think he is trying to find his first 11. I think he's found it. He's got his spine, which was so, so important. Um, I didn't like the fact the goalkeeper had to be replaced, Kepper, but Mendy's come in, added solidity. That back four looks really, really good. I read a stat that Kurt Zuma has won 96% of his aerial challenges this year, and he's the weak one at the centre. Um, so I think Chelsea have got this real solid base and then they've got so much creativity. Craig uh, mentioned Mason Mount, but they've got Zech with that d- delicious left foot. They can afford to lose the likes of Pulisic through injury and even get, uh, uh, allow Havats a chance to um, show his, his his potential. You know what? They are a real change. This I like the fact they fought their way to it, but my word, they've gelled very, very quickly. I can see them really being there or thereabouts at the end
2: of the day.
3: Yeah, uh, apologies, internet connections uh, cutting in and out. But we, we get the gist of what Des is saying. They are a formidable side. Um, do you reckon, Craig, that's right, Frank has hit on his starting 11. There is solidity. There is a spine now. Yeah, uh, I agree
0: with Des. I, I think he's found it um, with Ziyech coming back um, um, and, and Werner obviously getting the goals. The only one thing is that Pulisic is still not fit. Um, you know, he tried to come back, got injured in the warm-up. Um, so, so that is still a question mark. I think besides that, he's more or less got it. Um, he's got it sorted. Um, you know, I know Tammy Abraham has been doing really well in the last couple of games uh, when he started, but you know, Werner would move into that central position um, and Pulisic would play on that left-hand side. I think Chewall has been a great signing for them as well with his assists, with his goals um with what des says as well you know i think tiago Silva is is, he's found his feet um i think kurt zuma alongside him i'm not a massive fan of him um you can't deny he's fantastic in the air but i think it's still a weak area for chelsea i don't think he's um the finish article by any uh of imagination um and on the right hand side reese james has really uh come come into it Uh, you know the more games that he's played Um, So, yeah, um, I think he's found that that spine. He knows his his best 11. Um, It's just accommodating, you know, when there are injuries. I mean, there's still that question about Mason Mount, uh, Jorginho, Kante, um, do they play together? Do you you drop one? Um, But, yeah, I I think he's got enough. Um, You know, there's talk about a title charge. I, I still think maybe this season might be a bit too early. But the way it's going so far after, you know, nine game weeks, Oh, coming up tonight nine, game, eight game weeks, um, you know, anything can happen. And, and, you know, if there was an open season, um, at, you know, after 10 games, this would probably be it. I mean, no one's really taken charge of, of the Premier League so far and, and, you know, put a claim to it that, you know, we're, we're going to be the team to beat. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's not out of the question for Chelsea to, to, to go on and win it either.
3: Yeah, I mean, both Des and, and Craig have mentioned a host of names uh, and, and the fact that N'Golo Kante is suddenly world-class again. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 you're, if you're Steve Bruce, uh, Bob Holmes, yeah. it's been a mixed bag so far. I mean, OK, you've got San Maximum to, to run at him, but um, how would you approach this? Get John Joe Shelby to kick the heck out of everybody? <laughs>
1: uh, something like that. Um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Jose Mourinho would do. Um, I mean very difficult for Steve Bruce this, a- approaching um, Chelsea like this I mean the, it's at home if that counts for anything these days and they're just coming back from an international break so that might level the playing field a little bit but really this is a, mis- a mismatch isn't it on paper it looks a mismatch and I mean Newcastle are, are halfway up the league um, so it just shows what quality Chelsea have and I you talk about finding their best 11. I mean, these days you, you need to find your best sort of 13 or 14, don't you? Um, and with all the games, because 11 is never going to sustain a run in the league, the Champions League and, and the League Cup and the FA Cup to come. So, yeah, I, I don't think this um, having this surfeit of players uh, that uh, Lampard has had has been such a problem at all he's managed to keep them all uh you know he's not shut anybody out he's even allowed Giroud to to play enough times for him to be picked by France um so you know he, he's managed to just about keep everybody happy or excuse me semi-happy in these difficult uh, circumstances um so having all having all these players, I mean, Jurgen Klopp would love to have this problem, wouldn't he? Yeah. Right now, yeah. I mean, where he's lost one centre back after another on successive weekends, one top class international centre back after another. Now, no club could uh, can sustain that sort of uh, casualty list, but there is talk that Fabinho might be back for Liverpool. So that's a that's a good thing, but I digress. We're talking about Chelsea, yeah, yeah, uh, Chelsea um I, I think I think they could overwhelm Newcastle, quite honestly. I mean, such is the disparity in class. I mean Steve Bruce would be very happy to get a point out of this.
3: I I was just going to put it out and say, does anybody think Newcastle have a chance? But no, I I won't even... No big shout there, Ross. Exactly. I won't even waste the airtime. I know there's some injury problems. Callum Wilson, there's a question mark. or He's doubtful. Ryan Fraser, Paul Dummett expected to miss out. For Chelsea, Kai Havertz tested positive for COVID. Pulisic, as as Craig mentioned, is out. So a few players missing, uh, but then you've got Hakim Ziyech. So looking forward to seeing him play. I really love watching Hakim Ziyech. Newcastle Chelsea, then, is your early kickoff on Saturday, 8.30 p.m. One of the games of the weekend. Theoretically, the game that should bring us the most goals should be Spurs in second against Man City in tenth. This is your late Saturday game. Half past one, this one kicks off. Will it be a pragmatic Jose or will he go all gung-ho? Uh, Des Corkill
4: you know what? I think it's probably going to be a more pack, uh, pragmatic uh, Pep Guardiola because he's just trying to eke Man City back into a certain vein of form. Whereas Tottenham are playing more attractive football under Jose. He's kind of, in my book, taken uh, the the the, uh, the the blockers off Tottenham. So I can see Tottenham going out and trying to win this one, and Manchester City being a draw in on the cards for me. But um, uh, I, I just think City are slowly getting their mojo back after a run of nine unbeaten games. But a uh, great game. Um, uh, Tell them to go and try and win this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I, sorry. I, I disagree with Des there. Um, I think uh, Spurs have, have, have kind of come back into that pragmatic Jose uh, Mourinho uh, team that, you know, that we know Jose Mourinho does. Um, and this is after uh, the West Ham game. You know, when they were, they were obviously 3-0 up and, and, and kind of squandered it at, at the very last second. Um, since that, he, he hasn't been as adventurous, as gung-ho, as you said, um, Ross. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they've eked out results. They've, they've, they've been a lot more uh, solid defensively. That 1-0 um, so against Brom. one uh, nil against Burnley straight after as well. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it hasn't been free-flowing Spurs. Uh, since that result, so I think I think Jose he, he he played around with it a little bit. We saw the expansive uh, Tottenham, uh, but now after that that West Ham result, you know, he's kind of come back into it, um, and, and we're seeing uh, uh, still a talented Spurs side, but not a Spurs side that we saw earlier in the season where you know they're willing to bomb forward and and be creative and and everything like that. Um, so uh, I, I'm expecting a, another pragmatic uh, Jose Mourinho performance. Sit, sit deep, um, hit them on the break. This is
1: a renewal of the age-old rivalry between uh, Pep and Jose. Don't forget.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: and I just wonder if uh, any of that, you know, that thinking will affect either manager's approach. It will be very interesting to see.
3: Isn't it? It's it's bigger for Pep, right? They're already six points behind Leicester. Now, they, they can't afford to I know we're only nine games in, but this is the title. We, 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 City are supposed to be up there, right, Bob?
1: Yeah, well, uh, Pep's just signed a new contract. I think that's uh, worthy of mention. That'll be a boost to the club uh, staying for another two years. So that means and Messi that,
3: will come in then in well, the
1: summer. Well, it's, it's on the cards, isn't it? I mean, uh, he was never going to come without, <laughs> but he liked that. Uh, and he doesn't seem entirely happy at Barca, does he? So yeah, so I think City are City fans are, are quite optimistic. Getting back to this match, um, there's a possibility of Sergio Aguero uh, being at least on the bench. Um, it's, it's amazing how these guys—they're uh, out for months and years, and then suddenly you know they go, you go quiet a couple of weeks, and then they're back. You know, modern uh, medicine. Um, I think also it's they clubs always go a little bit pessimistic when a guy gets injured but if he's back i think even if he if he only comes on as a sub i think that's gonna make quite a difference because they've missed him Mm. uh city have really missed him they're not scoring many goals you know no uh i mean normally they score goals for fun for for two or three seasons they've been scoring goals for fun Uh, even last season when they didn't win the title they st- still scored plenty but this season they haven't and the i think one of the reasons is they're missing david silver um they haven't quite uh, found the sweet spot yet somehow but phil foden um what he lacks what the magic that he lacks that silver had is he makes up for in goals i think for a for a creative player he actually packs in he he pops in quite a few goals as he showed with England two more again uh I mean the guy can score and that is a, that is an, a valuable um asset to have And Pep has not been playing him that regularly hmm. I think Foden you know he, he was given crumbs wasn't he in the past two or three seasons coming on with two minutes to go and this sort of thing i think he thrives on a regular run in the team and i think pepper's underplayed him and i think we really if he he should give him his his chance and play him for a, a number of matches in a row and see what he can bring
3: all right well, so i
1: i think i think city actually city will will probably edge this one
3: Possible weak link for Spurs is that Matt Doherty's missing because of COVID. So Serge Aurier <laughs> will probably be marshalling that flank. There you go, Pep. There's your game plan. Spurs versus <laughs> City. Monday, 1.30 a.m. kickoff. Off for another break. Uh, back right after this. Oh, we wondered if you'd make a difference.
1: Tell the him all ends up, doesn't he?
2: Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9.
1: And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter.
2: On the Ball on BFM 89.9.
3: And we're back. Back previewing Match Week 9 of the EPL. Bob Holmes, Craig Marais and Des Corkill With me on this Friday evening, as usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. Also, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you really like, you can check out our YouTube channel, TFIF on Video. Go on. You know it makes sense. All right, Manchester United in 14th take on West Bromwich Albion in 18th. It's a Sunday 4 a.m. kickoff. This one, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side, Craig Marais are still awaiting their first league home win of the season. I think it's 72-73 73 last time it got this yeah. bad. Um, what are you, what, what are you seeing here? This should be—I mean, on paper, it's an easy home win. But you and I know it will be—we'll be lucky with a one-nil, right?
0: Yeah, um, I don't know. I couldn't explain to you what's gone wrong at home. To be honest with you. Um, it's just been an absolute shambles uh, for United at home. Very different uh, when, when they play away, but I mean, with no no fans there and, and this, you know, there's no crowd expectation on you. Um, it, it's 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 very confusing. I mean, I, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be scratching his head and, and trying to figure out what because you know he plays exactly the same team that he does um, when he when he goes away from home. So um, it, it's a puzzling one. Uh, that being said, you know, um, United do struggle against these these teams that defend. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of encouragement to take from that that win against Everton. You know, it was almost a must-win match. So it was built up to be that way anyway, um, yeah, go, going into it despite, you know, victories against Leipzig and, and PSG. Um, but, you know, they came through that. They played really well. Um, you know, defensively, I thought they, were, they they were solid going forward. They were good. Um, and, and they just need to do more of the same. You know what West Brom are going to do. They're not going to fly at you. They're going to go be compact at the back um, and, and hit you on the break. And I think this is where United need to be careful. Um, you know, just to get their, their last Champions League game uh, against federbach when they lost, um, it, it was one of those where it, you know you had they had all the possession, but it was again the team sat back, hit United on the counter, and you get a lot of success doing that. Yeah. Uh, and this is where Solskjaer has come out, and he says, um, you know, United needs to wise up. They need to be a little bit smarter, and they do because yeah. it's easy when you have a lot of the ball to, you know, commit bodies forward, um, but you've got to you've got to take care of what's what's behind you as well. So um, it, it's going to be a difficult. I, I do expect United to win, um, you know, comfortably. Um, I, I've seen West Brom play. I don't really. Uh, I think they're going to struggle this season. So um, th- th- there is. There is always going to be pressure for for Oleg and but th- this is uh he, he needs to get the home form up and running. Um, so three points for United.
3: Okay, well in theory anyway, but um, I, I've got to ask this because um, uh, it's happened in midweek. In fact, it happens every international break. You see a Paul Pogba headline. This time it was what a breath of fresh air it is. To play for France now, Bob Holmes. If a player from your club shows that much disrespect um, to to a, a player you're paying what over two hundred and fifty thousand a week to, how would you feel? And would you even have him on your bench this weekend?
1: No, uh, I wouldn't, and don't think Alex Ferguson would either. <laughs> um, he's been tolerated far too long. I think it's down to the agent. Uh, mino raiola the whole business when he signed in the first place uh, raiola caused a lot of problems and uh it he made it difficult for united to sign other players and uh they're actually still living with this sort of dark cloud if you like of pogba's agent i think that's why he's not being disciplined as he should have been i mean uh It's outrageous what he gets away with uh, off the field and on it. I mean, for such a talented guy, I mean, we say this every week. Everyone knows the story. He's underperforming massively in practically every game. And I I just, it's beyond me uh, how this can happen. A, A club like Manchester United, and the only explanation has to be the agent and all the contacts he has. And it would cause a a lot of problems for United in the transfer market. But I think they just have to do it. They have to lance the boil and get rid of Pogba. And I don't think they're going to do anything until he goes, quite honestly. I think it boils down to that. I don't think he's a bad guy. He's not really a troublemaker in in the classic old uh, style. But his agent is the troublemaker. And I think there'd be a massive sigh of relief at Manchester United, all around the club, if Pogba were to leave, they've just got to sell him off at a knockdown price and get him out of their hair. And I think then you only then can you start the recovery.
3: I'm I'm interested in hearing. Dez stick up for Paul Pogba now?
4: Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. Did- Tell you what, give me give me a Jake Livermore or a Cal Bartley or an Ajayi or a Gallagher over a Pogba. A million times out of a million, because you will get an honest performance from those West Brom players. They may not win. They may well lose. They may well become one of the uh, the worst teams in the Premier League. But there will be an honest performance from them, and you don't get that honesty. You haven't for three years from Paul Pogba in a Manchester United shirt. I've said it many, many times, and I can't understand how a, a club of United stature. Allow it to go on, as, as Bob alluded to. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson didn't. He got rid of him. I think he saw the temperamental issues of however good you are. If, you, if your attitude isn't right, it just stinks. Stinks the place out. And I've been saying that that's what it looks like. I don't know what the reason is, but that's what it looks like from a distance with Paul Pogba.
3: All right. Uh, ma- massive game then. Manchester United against West Bromwich Albion. Is Relegation a- clash. <laughs> it's your late <laughs> Saturday day uh, 4am Sunday Our time that one kicks off um, Fulham in 17th Take on Everton in 7th It's your early game on Sunday One one player jumps out here uh, Fulham and Everton Of course, ex-Everton player Adam Ola-Lukman He won't be doing the Penenka Craig Marias. Uh, should he even be given the chance to take another penalty ever, ever, ever again?
0: Well, I mean, if he doesn't take it, it's it's Mitrovic, and he doesn't do much better, does he, <laughs> uh, from the spot. So uh, they're, they're in a real bother there. Um, uh, I think Scott Parker will be praying they don't get any penalties at all. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, he's, it's good to see lookman back playing. Uh, we knew the talent that he had uh, when he was, I think he's from Charlton, if I'm not mistaken. Went went to Everton, um, you know, came off the bench, made made an impact off the bench, uh, but never really got that regular playing time. Went away to Germany, did well on loan. Um, they signed it, but again, um, never really nailed down that that starting eleven spot. Uh, he's come to Fulham, where Scott Parker has given given him a new lease of life, playing regularly. He's talented. There's no question about it. You know, um, um, you know, he, he, he's he's small, he's quick. Um, He darts in and out. He beats plays for fun. He's got a good left foot, good right foot. Um, He's got everything in his locker. He's just not a penalty taker. (laughs) Um, uh, But I I think this is going to be a good match. I I really do. Obviously, Everton going to this as favourites. That have been fantastic. Richarlison could be back uh, for Everton, which is a massive plus for them. They've really missed him when he's gone. I think the record without him is is absolutely atrocious. Um, But with him... I think every time he's played, I don't think he's ever lost or something like that. It's, it's a crazy stat uh, for, for someone who's been at the club for, for about two years now. Um, you, you'd expect Everton to win, but uh, expect a, a gritty performance from Fulham and, and not making their life easier. Um, yeah, well. But it, it, it's hard to ignore um, Fulham, an, an Everton win.
3: Fulham will take heart from their, their last win uh, so far. At least they've got a win under their belt. But, but Everton they were early season favorites. We were talking them up, but now it's what? One win in their last five in all competitions. Uh, Bob Holmes, Ancelotti now having to roll his sleeves up.
1: Yeah, well, he's been a bit unlucky, hasn't he? And uh, I mean, uh, as Greg said, Rich uh, Richarlison, uh, a key man. I mean, he, he was suspended uh, for three games and they lost those three games. Um, no coincidence. Um, Hames Rodriguez was uh, not quite the same without him, uh, and also took a knock. Um, I don't think Calvert Lewin was quite the same, uh, although he made a good fist of it, but um, he missed his Brazilian partner up front. Um, although he did still manage to pop in a couple of goals, but I think him coming back is massive for Everton, and I think this this game against most people's relegation favourites or one of them, um, is an ideal opportunity to get back, uh, you know, to restore some confidence. Because uh, starting like that, they started the season like a train and they're getting some people are getting a bit carried away. And now they've lost three in a row. And as you say, they've won one out of five. Um, you know, it's like, oh, no, here we go. That kind of thing. But they're not like that. They're better than that, I think. And they just need... If they can take care of games like this comfortably, then they will be thereabouts. I think they're genuine contenders for a a European place, not top four, but, you know, Europa League. Mm. Um, So it will be a step up from previous seasons. So they've they've just got to make sure they don't slip up uh, in a game like this.
3: All right, just before we leave off Everton, um, uh, every time we, 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 we read a report about an, an Everton loss, uh, J- Jordan Pickford is, is always mentioned. Is he part of the problem there? I mean, does he have to alter his game? He seems solid enough for England, doesn't he?
4: I, I think Jordan Pickard, Pickford's a, a very, very good goalkeeper who's going through uh, one of those phases where things aren't working out for him. He, he's made made a couple of high-profile mistakes, a couple of uh, uh, big-ish gaffes, but he's still relatively young for a goalkeeper. And he's much more than just a shot-stopper. It's his organisation. He's a great talker. Um, I, I love goalkeeper talk because he tries to organise things around. It's not a coincidence that Everton are doing well with a good goalkeeper behind them. The one thing... But, since one league having won the games on the trot, they're finding out it's more difficult that the performances drop off once they've won the league as they thought they had done.
2: <laughs> oh
4: a little dig there from it the red half. That was lost, wasn't it
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, All right, F- Fulham versus Everton 17th versus 7 is your Sunday 8 p.m kickoff. Final break uh, back with the big games of the weekend next.
1: Lovely football. Speed
2: of that little
4: passage of play.
2: Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9.
4: A two-goal lead, a picture of a goal, and that should be job done.
2: Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9.
3: And we're back. Back with Bob, Craig and Dez looking uh, at Arsenal, who are away at Leeds United. Uh, this weekend this one's your late Sunday game Monday half past midnight this one kicks off let's start with with Leeds first Bob Holmes uh they too a bit like Everton we were singing their praises at the start going oh it's and football and and all that and and fair enough they, they're good value every time you watch them play but consecutive 4-1 defeats now not to be seen uh, yet.
1: Uh, yes a uh, bit of a reality check um, they lost one earlier though uh, also and then they and they bounce back from that uh, this is two in a row uh, you could probably say the international break came at the right time uh, sort things out I'm sure bielsa has been uh, working at, uh, just as hard as ever uh, what 12hour days he puts in there analyzing everything and some of the players, uh, have, have been working hard um, Leeds wouldn't have had as many players leave for the uh, far and wide for the international break as uh, as some clubs and I'm sure that Bielsa would have taken advantage of that and had them working at the training ground uh, they do seem a little bit vulnerable at the back I, I wouldn't blame the keeper I think he's um, He's pretty good, but he, I don't think he um, has had much chance with many of these goals. But uh, this will be an interesting test because Arsenal have also had a little bit of a reality check as well, haven't they? Or they did before the international break. Um, they they got hammered by Aston Villa uh, at home, which really was a, a bit of a shock to the system. Everyone was singing Arteta's praises. Um, so, this will be very, very interesting to see. Um, I I still back Arteta. I think he's uh, a great organizer of of men, and uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if if Leeds were looking at another defeat here. Quite honestly.
3: Okay, Let, let's let's move on to Arteta's Arsenal. He he has brought solidity to Arsenal, uh, Craig. But is it at the expense of the attacking play? And also, I mean, everyone keeps asking this question. Why? I mean, I know Liverpool do it. Liverpool put their, their most potent goalscorer out on the left, but it works for them because they have a selfless number nine who just sprays it wide all the time. So I, I'm talking, of course, about Aubameyang playing on the left here for Arsenal. Now, Lacazette is not going to be your Firmino, is he? He's not going to distribute and all that. Is that part of the Arsenal problem, you reckon?
0: Um, part, yeah, partially. Um, I, I do think uh, one of the main things Arteta needed to do when he came into the job was to sort them out defensively. Um, and I think he's improved them. I don't think they're by anywhere uh, near the finish article at the back. You know, I mean, as we saw against Aston Villa, um, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done with them. I mean, you're still playing someone like Rob Holding in, in, in the Premier League. And I don't think he's quite up to um, Arsenal's kind of standard. Bellerin sometimes needs to be questioned about his defending. Um, so, so there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of personnel um, at the back for Arsenal. Um, I think tactically as well. Um, we, we give him a lot of credit, and I think he's done a fantastic job since he's been given the Arsenal job. Um, but if you go back to that the Villa match, I mean, you play two defensive midfielders at home against Villa. I mean, was that the right thing? Yes, they did really well going away to Old Trafford the week before that. Um, you know, managed to, to, to get the result that they needed. But when you come back at home, uh, you know, was that the right thing to do? I don't think so. I think he got his tactics horribly wrong there. And once you do that, you know, it restricts, you know, the the, the players going forward. I mean, we see the amount of times during an Arsenal match uh, that Aubameyang touches the ball. It's rare. You know, He he doesn't get on the ball enough for me. But then in saying that, even if he was... You know, switched up to to, to the more focal point um, in that number nine position. You know, they're not creating enough chances for him. Um, Lacazette doesn't get enough chances as it is. So there's a lot of work uh, to be done for Arteta going forward. He still doesn't know his best front three, which is the worry. Aubameyang uh, has has is always going to be in that team as as captain and as, as their best player, but. You no, know, does Lacazette start every game? Does Nikitia start every game? Who plays on the right? William, Pepe, um, where does Saka fit in into it? I mean, there's a lot. You've got Martinelli coming back. Um, he doesn't know his best uh, side going forward. Uh, and that, for me, is a big worry. Even in the middle of the park, you know, Ceballos, who I think is their most creative central midfielder. Uh, Party, obviously, you know, with the big transfer fee and, and being the player that he is, will, all, will, will automatically get a spot there. But who plays alongside him? Is it Arneny? Uh, for me, it has to be Ceballos. It has to be because he's, he's, he's the one with the vision. If you're not going to play someone like Ozil, um, he's the one with the vision that can open teams up. Um, so so this, is, uh, this is something Arteta still hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't really sorted out uh, and he needs to.
3: All right. It's going to be an intriguing game, that one. Leeds against Arsenal is a Monday. Half past midnight kickoff. It is going to be great. All right, then the biggest game of the weekend, arguably, is third versus first. Liverpool against Leicester City is, uh, 3.15 a.m. kickoff on Monday. Des Corkill, your, your Reds. Your current champions are in a defensive crisis at the moment. A 2-3-5, I
4: think, will be the reaction (laughs) from Jurgen Klopp. He tends to attack problems rather than anything else. I'm expecting a a 9-8 or an 8-7 with Alisson having to play man of the match as well. No, it's it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Nobody, nobody would have foreseen the problems Liverpool have had defensively. uh, Not of their own making, although the 7-2 didn't help. (laughs) <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of the injuries, and they were so not fortunate, but so um, consistent in their players last year that they were able to to have a, a very strong back four uh, with goalkeeper. This year, it's it, it's a toss up. But the guys who've come in, you know, if be it Nat Phillips or be it uh, uh, Rhys Williams, if he, although we got an injury for England under 21s as well, or if Fabinho comes back, they know that if they can. Keep the opposition down to one goal. There's every chance that those front three, without Salah, but yeah. those front three, though, will will um, score more than the opposition. And that's the Jurgen Klopp way. He doesn't see problems. He sees solutions, which is one of the things that makes him such a, a remarkable coach. Um, so, yeah, it's a worry. But I wouldn't over-analyse it. I'd worry if I was uh, Leicester about Liverpool. what Liverpool might be able to do to you at the other end.
3: True. You've you got, you got two sides with amazing attacks against two rather shaky, leaky defences here. But, Bob Holmes, if you're Jamie Vardy, you're going to fancy this
1: one, aren't you? Yes, you are. I mean, uh, on paper, this looks like uh, the best chance Leicester will ever have of uh, beating Liverpool at Anfield. But that's on paper. And as Des says... Jurgen Klopp can shuffle his pack and camouflage any weakness at the back in other ways. And he's got the players to do that. That's his greatest strength. Virtually everybody in that Liverpool side can play in another position. And it just needs a little tweak here and there. And the fact that Fabinho is close to coming back, not saying he's going to start against Leicester but he is in training. I think that's a massive boost because they were worried about him being out virtually till Christmas. And and, and then with um, Gomez being out for most of the season, that obviously uh, leaves a massive hole, but uh, it looks as if they're going to be able to uh, cover that up pretty soon. Um, Jamie Vardy. Yes. He's got the pace, uh, but he feeds on scraps. He doesn't get many chances. He's a bit like Aubameyang. He doesn't get many touches, very few. Mm. I mean, it's great credit to him that he use, he maximizes them. But um, no, I, th- I think that Liverpool... Have got the the squad to handle this crisis, and they may not even buy anybody in January. You know, I mean, it was automatically assumed that they would, and they're always there in the rumor mill. Every centre half that that's got a pulse, they seem to be linked with, but <clears throat> they know they'll have to pay over the odds. Uh, people will know that Liverpool, if they come after somebody, they're you know they really need to fill that hole, but. They, can, they could probably cope without buying anybody if Fabinho comes back. So that, that means that this, this is not such a massive crisis. And if Thiago is also back, that's like having a new player. He's mm. only played for about 90 minutes in total so far. We've not seen the best of him by any means. So this is not the disaster that many people think it is. Yeah. That's why I still think Liverpool win the league unbeaten in
3: 63 successive home league games. Their last defeat at Anfield was against Crystal Palace three years ago. Having said that, Craig, we mentioned Jamie Vardy, but Barnes, Madison, Tielemans have all been scoring lately. Tielemans had a really good international break. I mean, like Bob mentioned before, this is Leicester City's best chance. But that massive unbeaten home record, is that ever going to fall, you reckon?
0: Yeah, um, I, I'm actually backing Leicester to win this, and, and it's not just because of uh, of the crisis. Obviously, it plays a it plays a, a part, but like the boys have said, you know, um, it's something that I think Liverpool can cope with. I, I I do think you know there'll be some players that you know are listed in that list of of, uh, of injuries that will be coming back. Uh, I expect you know Rhys Williams to play. Um, um, so I, I do think that this Leicester squad has enough. Them to go out there and, and really take the game to Liverpool, they they smell blood. I mean, Brendan Rodgers would want to be the, the manager that goes there to do it as well. Um, it, it, the script is there, isn't it? Uh, Brendan Rodgers going there, ending that, um, that unbeaten run for Liverpool, but no, um, I, I do think this is this is a good Leicester side. Um, whether they're good enough to sustain it is another question. Um, but but they're in a good, good bit of form now. Um, and like you said, you know, there's a lot of players that they have. Um, that have, you know, recently like, stepped up. Um Tielemans, obviously, during the international break. Madison just coming back from injuries, a massive boost to them. Um Harvey Barnes this season is, is much improved uh, from last. Um Yeah, I, I, and I just think that they'll have enough. I, I do think it'll be a very, very good match. And I don't think it'll be a weakened Liverpool side, as everyone seems to think. I mean, the way it's being played out in the press is that, you know, it's going to be a bunch of, uh, under 23s that are coming in to fill in the spots. No, Liverpool have a good, good great squad, uh, in fact, and, and they'll get a strong 11 out there, a squad with experience as well. So uh, it'll be a good game. Uh, it'll be a very good game, uh, but I expect Leicester to cause an upset.
3: Jamie Vardy has netted seven times in 11 Premier League oh. games against Liverpool. Liverpool versus Leicester is a Monday, 3.15 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Some of the other ties we didn't mention. Aston Villa in sixth take on Brighton, who are 16th. That's your Saturday, 11 p.m. kickoff. Uh, Villa on a high. Uh, They probably didn't want the international break to come. Sheffield United at the bottom of the table take on 12th place West Ham. That is a Sunday, 10 p.m. kickoff. Right, that's it. We're out of time, so I'm going to say thank you to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much. Enjoy the football. And thank you, Des Corkill. <laughs> You're not just nodding,
4: are you, Des? Very, very enjoyable. Malaysia <laughs> will kick off in February. <laughs>
2: uh, I know. Can you wait that long? <laughs> Some
3: people are on the pitch. They think it's all
2: over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. We can